I can't stress that enough. If you're, you know, an operations professional, just really listening to your people and listening to what they need is important. And making the time to do that is time well spent. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm joined today by Danielle Antill. She is the Director of Legal Operations at Bearings. How's it going, Danielle? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Can't complain. It's a sunny day out today, so it always makes me happy. Oh, that's nice. It's gloomy here in Charlotte. <laughs> well, you can't have everything. There's a couple updates here that I wanted to share before we jump into our conversation. Today, we're going to be focused on people-focused operations. We're going to have a nice little chat about that. Talked to Danielle about this a couple weeks ago and was really just impressed by the way that you put people first within your legal ops strategy. And I think that it pertains not just to legal operations, but to all operations functions. So I'm excited for this chat today. So a couple housekeeping notes. Next week, our host, Sagi, will be joined by Pablo Kennedy. He's the Vice President of Global Strategy and Operations at Zendesk. And the week after that, we'll have Gloria Dietri. She's the Director of IT Ops at DraftKings. And she'll be talking about scaling your IT operations function. She runs a team of 50 people. And so for anyone who's looking to kind of understand the IT operations function, how it scales at a company like DraftKings with a large team, highly recommend listening to that live. So let's talk about people-focused ops. Danielle, I already mentioned your title and everything. Would you mind just walking people through kind of a bit about your background? Sure. So I have a very, I think, non-traditional path. And I'll preface by saying I don't think anyone seeks out ending up in legal operations. You kind of just end up there. So I am originally from Ohio. I moved down to the Charlotte area with my family and, you know, wasn't sure what I wanted to do career and school-wise. So I actually joined the Army National Guard and became a paralegal. And then through that training, I decided to pursue my bachelor in paralegal and legal studies. I got my first legal operations role in 2016 at um, an independent broker dealer called LPL Financial. And there I did a lot of um, legal operations, intake support, and really liked the process specifically on the regulatory side. So I worked very closely with the regulatory team there. And then through that work, a position was created for me on the regulatory team for a hybrid kind of legal ops role, but a regulatory investigations role. So I was there for a few years, really enjoyed the work, some interesting financial investigations, which was fun. But then also, you know, I really liked the process, the innovation side, the organization side. So really got to expand on that legal operations focus. And then in July of 2020, prime pandemic time, I joined Remotely Bearings and I'm now the Director of Legal Operations here. I would say my title is more of a strategic planning and strategic business management role. Legal Operations obviously covers it, but that's kind of the bulk of of what we do, you know, budget management, talent management, process improvement, and legal project management, and kind of anything that doesn't end up anywhere else we try to help with or find a place for. So that's my current role. And I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina with my fiance, Chase, and our cat, Pino. 
You've got a cat. I do. Yeah. I'm allergic, but I like Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. So I like what you said about, you know, most people who end up in legal operations don't plan to go there. I think that applies to every ops role, even outside of legal ops. I had a chat a few episodes back with Lindsay Crittenden. At the time, she was the director of ops over at Headspace. Now she's she's on the growth initiative side at Hippo. And she said the exact same thing. She said, you know, you kind of fall into this career. And the value of it, though, is that you're so cross-functional in your abilities. And so people in operations have this ability to kind of navigate from department to department because they understand how the business as a whole operates, which I think is super valuable. I want to ask you and to kind of dig into the conversation that you and I had offline this call is kind of going to be about change management and it's kind of going to be about change management in terms of how it relates to the people side of operations. So a lot of operations folks struggle with internal feedback, who's using the systems they implement, if they're using them at all. And if they are, what is, what is the process? What in the process do they not like? Like it's hard to get that feedback from people. They kind of just kind of decide to not use it. Right. And that's change management. So during your time as a legal ops professional, you kind of strive to create internal feedback loops to mitigate these problems. So can you walk me through what that looks like for you and how you kind of decided to build out that process and what that process looks like? Yes. So I, I truly think the culture of the legal ops function is very important. I think in my current role and with my team specifically, we're a mighty team of two. We have really tried to foster a culture of approachability and understanding. And if you come to us with a problem, we're going to listen and hear you out. And if we can't make the change, you know, give the explanation why, but we want to make our team and our business partners feel heard so that they do come to us with any any processes. You know, of course, our general counsel and my team, we have our own initiatives, but you know, the the lawyers and the paralegals that are in the day-to-day of the business work, you know, they're kind of the boots on the ground, right? So they can spot some inefficiencies or things that need improved in a way that I can't because you know I kind of have the 100 foot view, right? So I think it's really important to you know just foster a culture of if you bring an issue to me I'm going to listen, right? And I hope that you know our team feels that way and and we've tried to really really foster that approach and I think some specific ways that we have created those avenues, we use Simple Legal, which is our e-billing system, and Sarah Mintz on my team, who is wonderful. We worked together at LPL, and she was actually able to follow me over here to Bearings and create our little team of two. Little but mighty, right? She created our e-billing office hours. So all of our lawyers and anyone that interacts with the system, every other week she hosts kind of this open office hours. Come to us, come talk to us about your issues. If you have any issues with specific invoices, we'll talk about them. And it's really, it's been a really great change and really well received by by our teams. I think another way too is we've just, we've created some form submissions using like Microsoft Forms and our SharePoint site to create specific avenues for people to share They can make it anonymous if they want to or include their name, but share feedback on specific processes and have a place to specifically request it. Obviously, they can email us, but it's kind of creating that portal specifically for that feedback. So those are kind of some specific ways, I guess. If anyone listening in live or, you know, on the podcast side took anything from that, it's that if you're in operations, you can go now, set up office hours internally. It's quick and easy to do. 
and let anyone come in and, you know, voice their concerns to you. So that's something really tangible that I just took away from that, that I think anyone listening in can as well, if they're not already doing it. What is the value in checking in on both internal stakeholders outside of your direct organization? And I'm sorry, internal stakeholders outside of your direct organization and external stakeholders or vendors and relaying that feedback, like what process have you designed to do that in your org? Yeah, I think it's so invaluable, just relationship building in general, your internal business partners with your external vendors that you want to be, in essence, an extension of your business. You know, specifically, we work with outside counsel law firms who are often representing us. And, you know, we want them to feel like they are an extension. So just kind of deepening those relationships. And one of those processes that we have really been intentional about that was an initiative from our general counsel was creating this internal relationship manager program. So it's an IRM program. I like to think of it more as an intentional relationship management program. So we basically take our top 20 law firms And at a law firm, you typically have a relationship partner. And so we have now assigned an internal relationship partner. So an internal lawyer who kind of does a lot of work with the law firms, interacts with them a lot to kind of help with the relationship management piece. So they're assigned to these law firms. While I have more of the, of course I manage the relationship, but I have more of the operational and again, 100 foot view of the relationship. They can give some of that candid feedback and give more specific feedback on the relationship. So what we do is we take a yearly survey for our law firms. And this year was the first year that we included our other business partners. So other support functions and then the business that these law firms also interact with. And we take the feedback, we analyze it, we kind of benchmark our top firms against each other. And then we have a yearly intentional relationship meeting with them to talk about you know, those relationship items that you wouldn't talk to wouldn't talk about in the day to day so any operational engagement letters responsiveness expertise the satisfaction with the firms we relay that information back to them through these meetings and you know i think some firms are more excited to get this feedback than others however i think it is really truly valued by the firms that we are doing it with and they see it as you know our investment in the relationship as well So it has been, you know, widely successful. We provide them with these scorecards with the survey data and other financial data and how they benchmark again in financial ways across our top firms. And it has really just opened an avenue for more candid feedback. Um, This year, we actually relayed our diversity expectations to our law firms, which has been an incredible conversation with all of them so far. And, you know, creating that alignment with them and them knowing that it's important to us. I think that this really has created the channel for that candid feedback. And if there are issues that arise, they have a point, you know, a contact person inside of Bearings if they want to talk to them, escalate, you know, a relationship issue. So that's kind of one of the ways that we check in both internally with our business partners and then externally with our our vendors. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of sort of almost like a customer success ops situation yeah. where you're checking in with your customers and what process do you create around that? So that definitely applies there. And just to level set, can you explain what Bearings does for everyone listening in? Sure. Yes. Bearings is an asset manager for institutional clients and high net worth clients. Our legal department helps with private and public asset investments, and it's a, a global firm also. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that helps everyone understand kind of the partner side as well as the, you know, internal stakeholder side. And 
I also wanted to know, you know, D&I is sort of like this hot topic and, but it's also something that people like to talk about, but don't really like to implement. Yes. And so I think it's pretty powerful that a legal ops function can have an impact on international, you know, clients and law firms just based on getting feedback from them about it. Definitely. And I, I feel very fortunate that I'm in this position and hopefully able to make some sort of change, even if, if it's on a micro level, because, you know, there are percentages and numbers and these macro changes, but it's truly a person by person initiative, right? It comes down to the person, the number as a person. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. We have a question coming in from our live audience. Does anyone have any experience with implementing some customer success ops without a dedicated customer success manager or team? What have you put in place to ensure those relationships are still maintained at that level? So maybe you can apply that to what you're doing, not in a customer success ops way, but in the legal ops function. Yeah, I think the relationship managers are lawyers, right? It doesn't have to be a specific customer success function, right? So I'm partnering from the operational side, partnering with the lawyers that are in the day-to-day to talk about the operational and relationship issues. So I would just say, don't focus too much on whose role is what. I think in this, in our instance, it's it's helpful that the lawyers are there and they can give the specific feedback and I can manage the operation side. So I would just say, include the necessary people for this. If you don't have the team or don't have you know that specific role, if you're a director of operations, you can you know use your people again to help you you know implement these processes. Yeah. And what do you use to kind of get that feedback from them? Like what system, what process? We don't really have a system from our lawyers. So we did our our survey in forms this year. That's an easy way to collect the survey data. But then, you know, we we analyze, collect and share that data with all the relationship managers so that they're aware. We share it broadly with our department, too, because they should be aware of how our law firms are doing. And then too, just having check ins and your expectations. So I have a whole document of the internal relationship manager expectations and what their time commitment is for the year. And just having those preview meetings, my expectations, making sure that the agenda and materials are together and letting the the relationship managers kind of run with it in the meetings too. Yeah, so my interpretation from, from this question from the live audience is kind of pick something that is low lift and start there maybe just sending out a survey and then use that to kind of set up some after calls and sort of just get to know them and their issues. And then the process will build itself out from there just based on their needs. Yeah. Um, So thanks for that question from the live audience too. When I actually started at bearings, I met with every single person in the legal department, which was a task. I think we have about 52 folks now, but it was important. And you know, learning different areas that may need improved or pain points or what are their 
focus and what they work on. And I think that that was super key. So I can't stress that enough if you're, you know, an operations professional, just really listening to your people and listening to what they need is important. And and making the time to do that is time well spent. You talk about the value of assigning sort of relationship focused individuals to operations roles. So how does this alleviate some of the problems associated with change management? Yeah, so change isn't easy. And I've heard recently too that Sometimes change isn't a democracy. It has to happen, right? But if you have your team or your leadership team that understands people and there's a people component to this, I think that it really helps, you know, with some pitfalls that may happen in communication or knowledge around something. I think people that, you know, have empathy and understanding but are process-minded kind of have that additional advantage to help with these, you know, change management projects. Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, sometimes change isn't a democracy, right? We have to, we have to take what comes our way. I mean, you know, not to get political, but look what's happening right now in Ukraine. You know, the world can change in an instant. And so out of we our have control. to adjust. Yeah, it's out of our control. So we have to adjust, especially in operations roles. I'm sure everyone knows that. Yes. So how do you suggest those listening and look for relationship focused individuals in the hiring process? In the hiring process, I would say when you're looking at resumes, don't limit yourself. I think legal ops folks can come from anywhere. I have a paralegal background. Sarah Mintz that works on my team has a sociology background. She's even better at the relationship stuff than I am. She's so empathetic. She's so patient and understanding and process-minded and just really helps develop the culture of our team. I was also listening to a webinar with Mary O'Carroll and Jen McCarran, who is the director of legal ops at Netflix. And she was saying that you know, in her technology and finance background, she has used her master's of social work more than anything in her legal ops role. So I thought that that was very interesting. And I definitely, definitely understand that. I think I use my middle child, you know, strengths as, as a legal ops professional. I heard that's a certain skill set that, that people have. And then I think in interviews, when you're coming down to the interview phase, it's, you know, really important that people ask about the team and the culture. You know, if you're an ops professional, you know how process go, you know, you know how to analyze financials, you know how to do all of this stuff, right? But I think what comes down to it is the people part, you know, ask, is there room for change? Is, is there an appetite for change? Is there, you know, is there room for innovation? I think when folks ask those questions, that's very indicative of their perspective and how they would run the culture of the legal ops team. And that's what's so cool about operations in general is you get people from all different kinds of backgrounds that, you know, get that mindset. And and even someone from the live audience just said, you know, like Danielle, I cut my teeth via the military as I was legal services specialist in the Marine Corps for 20 years. So shout out to that guest uh, writing in. And I think the military can teach you a lot about operations, right? Yes, I can. I learned a lesson very early on in my career about communication and transparency. So actually, when I was in basic training, I was the platoon guide of about 50 people. I can't even remember the topic about what it was. But someone asked me a question and I said, oh, they don't need to know. And my drill sergeant got in my face and was like, 
whatever you know, your soldiers need to know as well. And that was just a very, I mean, it got me to my soul, right? <laughs> like that is something that I was like, yes, you know, and, and to this day, Drill Sergeant Aaron, I still think about <laughs> that when I'm <laughs> communicating, relaying things like, does this person need to know? Maybe they don't, but you know what, maybe they would like to know and, and this would be good for them to know. So I, I learned that very, very early on. A lesson in leadership for everyone from Jill Sergeant Aaron. <laughs> yes. What you know, your employees need to know. Transparency yes. is key. Yes. Yeah, because people people like to know why they're doing what they're doing. It's just basic human nature, right? Hundred percent. And and on my team too, I think you know if I'm telling you to do something or if I'm giving a task and it's administrative or whatever it is, I always try to give that reason why, because I'm very why focused too. I need to know why just out of my curiosity, but too, if you know the reason behind what you're doing and the impact of it, it, it helps you perform too. And it helps, you know, create significance for what you're working on. So I think it give, gives purpose, right? So. And, you know, going back to what you said about all the different degrees, I have a history degree in United States history. And so I, it helps me run community because I understand the overarching themes of human behavior through that. Yeah. And it's like, I never would have thought I would go into community by being a history major, you know? So just definitely, you never know. So let's, let's talk more about people focused ops. So why is, why is people focused ops important? Do you think ops as a function has kind of lost sight of that element at all? Or do you think it, you know, I think you can have the best technology, the best processes, you know, the best ideas. But if you don't have people on board with your change that understand it to help you carry it out, then it's not going to be successful. And I feel very fortunate at Bering specifically that my general counsel, Jill Dinnerman, is incredibly innovative. She's very supportive. She backs the legal ops role. And this, the strategic role that it has and understands how it benefits the organization, which I understand, you know, isn't always the norm for people. So I feel very fortunate to be on a team that understands the value that operations has and and have a leader that supports me in that, you know, without her buy in, it would definitely make my role a lot more challenging, right? Some of the conferences I go to, you know, Legal Ops is such a community of conferences, and that's where we really get our education. We learn from what others are doing. I think there really is a lot of focus on, you know, technology and process and automation, which is great. But I feel like the people part of it is almost just like implied and isn't a focal point. So I think there just needs to be you know, more communication around the human aspect of, of change and innovation and what comes with that. Yeah. And you can't have a successful process that just runs on its own. Like you have to insert a exactly. human element into it, right? Like even if you are trying to automate, you know, sending out a contract, et cetera, like somebody has to push that button and you want to make it easier for them, right? You want to automate it so that people are doing more high level work. And so you need that, again, that feedback from them about what can I make better in your job? What can I automate as an operations professional? Definitely. If people want to follow up with you or get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to access me. And also I am on the Adaptive Ops Slack now. So if you're an Adaptive Ops community member, please feel free to reach out to me there. Yes, please go to just go to operations.community. If you're not, you guys can join. I'll drop that link in the live chat as well. If you're not a member, please 
please become one. You can chat with Danielle and all of our podcast guests there. You can just directly message them. No guarantee they'll message you back immediately, but if they don't, I'll bug you about it. So, <laughs> Perfect. Please do. <laughs> all right. How do you think the legal ops function relates to other operations functions? Like what are some of the challenges that you think, especially as it relates to people kind of go are kind of cross-functional across all ops departments? I do think, you know, technology and implementing technology is a big one, right? You have to understand the appetite for change and if people are actually going to use the technology, right? That's always something that is challenging. And I think understanding in any ops role, the folks that you are supporting, just understanding their readiness for change, like at what stage, you know, they're developing and accepting of the change. You know, I feel like change there, just like grief, there are certain stages of acceptance and, you know, and moving along with that. So I think understanding the human element to that and how people navigate change is super important and, and translates across any industry, any operations. We have a question come in from Elizabeth. I recently moved from an attorney role to a legal operations role. I was wondering where you see the trajectory of your career and where you see his position growing in the coming years. That's a really good question, Elizabeth. That's a really great question. I think in my time here, my role has really morphed into this strategic business management role. I think in the trajectory of my career, I love what I'm doing. I love the legal ops space specifically because I have the legal background. I like, you know, I've started to get in the weeds on some of the business processes and legal processes, and I really, really enjoy that. I would say that the legal ops space continues to grow. I don't think it's going anywhere. The very first legal ops textbook was actually just published, I think, by Connie Britton. Woo! Yes. So I think that, you know, maybe five to 10 years, there will be a degree in legal ops or a minor in legal ops or something, right? I think that this is really picking up in the operation space and the legal, corporate legal department specifically, you know, general counsels are really seeing the value in it. So, you know, I know that there are chief of staff roles and, and essentially that's what this kind of is, but I would say, you know, morphing into that strategic business management is where I keep seeing myself going and, and, and following along. And, and Elizabeth, I know you connected with me on LinkedIn, so I'm happy to, to chat with you after this or connect with you. Awesome. I love to see it. And I'm excited for what you're going to do in the space. I can see your passion for it. And that excites me. So it's really nice talking to you. We had an episode, I think it's episode two of the podcast with Mary O'Carroll, who's kind yes. of the Steve Jobs of legal ops. And the so Steve Jobs of I legal just, ops, yes. <laughs> yes. And I just wanted to address Elizabeth's question as well with that and just explain her career directory. So Mary ran legal ops at Google, and then she also was the president of Clock. And through that, because she was running a community, she now runs the community at Ironclad, and which is a, you know, a legal ops platform. So I think that it can kind of take you anywhere. Like she's now in a community role, but it relates to legal operations. So again, Elizabeth, uh, thanks for that question. And I think this career tra- trajectory can kind of take you wherever you want to go, which is yes. great. Yes. So Danielle, thank you so much again for talking with me today. It was really enjoyable getting to learn about you in the space. Yeah, hope to talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 